Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. We're here. It's the final, final tennis bet show of the U.S. Open. Mitch Michaels alongside Kenny Ducey, Pamela Maldonado, Zachary Cohen on Tennis Channel's YouTube page, Tennis Bets Twitter, Tennis.com, Facebook, and the Tennis Channel. You don't seem too excited about it, well. Mitch. Let's get I'm some energy sad, going. I'm a, little, I'm a little sad. We've had such a fun run, but it's coming down to the very end. Um, we're going to get to all the action. The women's final is set. The men's semifinal will start in a little bit, just a couple hours from the first one. Lot to go with around the room. Uh, Pamela Maldonado in uh, Vegas now, switching things up a little bit. And uh, we're going to move forward to the semis because we've had some ups and downs in this tournament, but we've got a pretty compelling Final Four. Thoughts going into today, what you're looking forward to the most? Um, I'm looking forward to seeing the exact final that we all probably thought that it was going to happen, which is Carlos Alcaraz against Novak Djokovic. These are kind of going to be, in my opinion, more warm-up matches for the semis. And then we're going to see the real stuff in the final. Yeah, and, and I don't want to look too far ahead because there's, there's action to be made. Like, even if we assume that the final will be the final, there's different ways. And that's what we do here on this show. We're trying to find ways to make some money, find the action mm-hmm. there. Uh, Kenny Ducey, safety first with the seatbelt on. Appreciate that. Uh, thoughts on men's semifinal Friday as you're en route to the venue. That's right. Yeah, I look cool enough with my outfit so I can wear a seatbelt. And uh, it is very cool to wear a seatbelt, ladies and gentlemen. I will say I'm very excited for this match. I, I think that, you know, we're going to see, at least for the first set, I think we're going to see some fireworks in this Shelton Djokovic match. And then um, we'll see what happens with, with uh, Medvedev. You know, he's obviously never found an answer for Carlos, but we know he's the master strategist. So let's see what, what he comes up with here for this one. Yeah, and that's a nice hat you're wearing on. And just wanted to point out, if you, did you wear that every day at the tournament? Were there any days you didn't wear it? The only day, so the, the joke here is the only day I didn't wear my Tim Van Lair gallery hat was two days ago. I wore a U.S. Open hat. And uh, who walks by me on his way up from his seat but Tim Van Lair? And I, I was speechless. Oh. I didn't say anything because I was like, what am I going to do? Be like, oh, wear, <laughs> I wear your hats all the time, but I'm not wearing it today uh, because you're here. Um, so that was probably the lowest point of my life because I, I think I would have been hooked up with T- TVLG uh, gear for life. I, mean, I was supposed to anyway. Where's Riley Opalka with my merch? It's a shame. <laughs> There's plenty of time to get lower, so no, no worries on that. Uh, Zico wanted to throw this at you. The final edition of the Futures with the four left. This is the numbers going into today's matches. Djokovic 125, Alcaraz 115, plus 115, and then it t- dips off from there. Thoughts on this? Some action going into the semis. Any strategy for the people out there that might have futures on the favorites i mean at this point medvedev looks like a really good price at plus 1100 i don't know how realistic it is that he gets the job done in two matches in a row against carlos and novak but you're getting the same price on him now as you were getting before the tournament now he only needs to win two more matches opposed to seven so it's a little odd and i do think you know it's a little bit disrespectful for probably the third best hardcore player in the world i mean he was unbeatable on hard courts early in 2023, he's won this tournament before. So I do think there's some value there. Even if you don't think he's going to win, I think it's worth taking a plus 1,100. 
Yeah, Pam, any any action on this, especially people that maybe have taken the favorites I've got to this point. Was there anything that you would do going into this final four? I'm set it pre-tournament. I'm saying every week that we do this show, it is still for me, Carlos Aqueras, um, just because what we have seen from him time and time again, we saw it at Wimbledon. We're seeing it in these matches, his propensity to just adapt in the middle of a point. He is not only at a playing, he's not only playing at a big three level, I mean, he's 20 years old playing at the big three level to where he is now surpassing. <laughs> I'm saying it. He is surpassing the big three level just because of the court sense that he has. And if you saw the interview, he there was one interview where he did a couple days ago, or it may have been yesterday. He knows what his strength is and at stamina. And so his reaction was, oh, I'm feeling really calm on the courts because all I have to do is just wait for them to get tired. Mm-hmm. So it makes my matches easier, and then my mind's better. Like, he, he knows what his strength is. Just outlast the other guy, and he's going to be just fine. I think the Djokovic number, part of this piece, is compelling. And, uh, Kenny, we're going to get to that match first. But you look at this, and the book's still giving Djokovic the bump and, and him being the favorite. Do you think that's adequately priced? Do you think they're not taking into account Alcaraz, or maybe that he has a, quote-unquote, tougher match of the two going into the semis? I like that. I appreciate that you said "quote unquote" tougher match because I do think that this is going to be a tough match for Djokovic. But that's exactly the reason for the price, Mitch. And I, I think it's it's pretty clear in the numbers that you know they're essentially there's there's a little bit of a fear that Alcaraz could fall to the 2021 U.S. Open champion, whereas Djokovic is such a massive favorite over Ben Shelton. Um, and it's, I, I think when match time comes for Djokovic Alcaraz, they'll probably move Djokovic to, I mean, we, we don't have to guess the lines here a lot because that's your idea to usually do that. But I would probably say at, at least minus 140, I would say around minus 140. So I think you're just going to see a little bit of a change. But to me, yeah, I mean, it's, I, I guess in that sense, maybe it is a little surprising that we don't see Alcaraz uh, at a bigger number or Djokovic at a, at a steeper number, just because uh, essentially he should be priced as if he is the finalist, right? So I guess maybe there's a little bit of guarding against Medvedev because if he plays Medvedev, he's going to be probably minus 300, minus 400. So um, I don't know. I, I think that this is – I'm with Zach here. The Medvedev number is way too long. I think he can win this tournament. I think he's looked excellent. He's rated his tennis at a 10 out of 10 after the Rublev win. Hard to blame him. Um, and, look, I, I think the play style is obviously difficult for Med, right, because Carlos brings him into the net a lot. He exploits his deep court position. We know that. Everyone knows that. This is like saying – I, all of this is baked into the line and all of this is baked into the match. And I just think Medvedev is a guy that's always found a way to win against tough opponents. He out schemes everybody on the court. Um, now, well, whether or not that will work to actually beat Carlos Alcaraz is a different story, but I do think that he will definitely have a much better showing this time around. That's why we got uh, opportunities to make some action and some prop bets and some opportunities there. Uh, looking at that first match that'll, Start off in less than two hours. Djokovic for Shelton minus thirteen hundred is the number for Djokovic. Shelton's plus nine forty. Zikon throwing the number at the board first, but we've got opportunities. I know we've got some action on this that aren't necessarily money line. Maybe Kenny, I'm not sure, but thoughts on this number, and then we'll just go from there. Ways to attack this match and make a profit. Yeah, I mean it's a really big number and it's a really intimidating number. It makes it kind of hard to play the match. So the way that I did it is I took Shelton to win a set at plus one thirty. It's not something that I'd say I'm overly competent in, but I do think that that's a good price for, you know, a really big server, especially if they end up playing indoors. I think that his serve will be even more damaging in, you know, in those conditions than it is anyway. So I do think there's a slight chance, you know, he gets to a tiebreaker or two, and I think that he could potentially win one. And I also 
just kind of think that the crowd support will be overwhelming for Shelton. I know it kind of wasn't in that Tiafo match. I think that those fans were a little bit disappointed by what they were seeing out there. But I do think that you'll get a really strong U.S. Open atmosphere, one that we've kind of been waiting for, like you saw, you know, last night with Coco. I think it'll be really overwhelmingly positive for Shelton. So I think that there's a chance he steals a set. And I do I do like the price, especially you know, if you've had a good tournament and you want to just want to throw some money at something, then go for it. Yeah, Pam, what do you think about this synergy pick that I just found out about 10 seconds ago when Zico said he was on this? But Zico and Kenny are both on Shelton to win a set at plus 130. I agree um, with that. So what I'm taking is the over on 31 and a half. Uh, I mean, you have the players who can take a set against Djokovic are those that can protect the service games via dominating serve or a great baseliner that can match his physicality. Shelton obviously has a huge weapon with the serve, 140 plus. He's nearing breaking the record for the U.S. Open for the fastest serve. But he also complements that with a feel at the net. And he has a propensity to do the serve in volley. And that can be very effective against even somebody like Djokovic. Plus, he has like a very aggressive return game as well, which I've been impressed with. This is not only their first meeting, but it's so for that, you have to give Djokovic enough time to find his rhythm and adjust because he doesn't know what to expect. He doesn't, you can watch film and tape and watch his match, but it's still a different when you're actually there on the court. Shelton is a lefty. That's always a plus in tennis because it offers lefties the slice to put away the serves on the ad side of the games. And then, of course, um, Zach was mentioning it right now that it's going to be played at 3 p.m. Eastern. That's going to be able to give him the ability to maximize his firepower on the shots. The sun's going to be out. Maybe they're playing indoors. That ball's going to be popping. So I'm not sure if he actually can pull off the full set. Um, so I'm taking the over because a tiebreak could also get that. Yeah, Kenny, before I throw it to you, I just want to also throw out one of the odds I saw that, you know, I obviously, I think we're all in agreement here. Shelton can take a set, make this interesting. To win the first set, specifically call your shot is plus 310. And I think that would be the one he has to have. And maybe that's worth sprinkling too. But explain to me why your set bet is the one you like. Yeah, you know, I, I disagree with that sentiment. I think if he drops the first set, he can still win the second. And I think the, my, my main narrative coming into this, and yes, you know, the return was awful for a year. And all of a sudden now this week, he's been unbelievable on return over those last three matches. The serve and volley has been working for him so well, as Pam mentioned. And he didn't use it against Francis Tiafoe. He didn't really need to. So I think he's going to bring it out against Djokovic. But I think the biggest thing here is just the mind of Ben Shelton. And I think that that is what makes him so different than a lot of the other challengers that we've seen step to Novak Djokovic over the years. Um, I, I will say, first and foremost, Enzo Cuoco, Jack Draper, um, some, some players that are, that are either on par with Shelton or worse than Shelton. You're going to go all the way to the right uh, light and turn right. Thank you. At live television. And I, I do think that yeah. why is Ben Shelton any different than Enzo Cuoco or Jack Draper? Some of these guys, Jensen Brooksby, guys who stepped to Djokovic for the first time have a little bit different of a play style and take a set off him early because he's not used mm -hmm. to it. He has to take time. Djokovic is obviously one of the best in the, the best of all time at adjusting in matches figuring out ways to win. Shelton has a very unique play style. He's left-handed. He plays quirky out there. And it's going to take Djokovic some time. So I do agree with you that the first set is a good bet. I am on first set. But because Ben Shelton's supreme confidence and mental yeah. fortitude in this match, I do think that he's definitely strong enough to take the second. He's not ever going to feel defeated in this match. And I, we, mm -hmm. we can get into it, and I don't want to keep talking, but I, I can get into what he said in press. But I'm just very impressed with how yeah. he's approaching this match. 
Well, can I just, and I, you know, those are really good points. I will admit that. And I, and I agree with a lot of it. I'll just offer some slight pushback that maybe because of the round that we're in, that it's the semifinals and Djokovic is ramping up would be one of the reasons I would, because you're right. Like Djokovic has dropped sets to players that aren't on par with this level of Ben Shelton, 100%. I would say maybe round semifinal, he's ramping up and he's more on lockdown, but that's a, that's a good point. That's a good thing to make. I also saw this one Zico as well. The call your shot Djokovic to win in exactly four is plus 270. So if it's worth thinking Shelton wins exactly a set, maybe that's worth the play. Yeah, I don't hate that one at all. I mean, I guess I do kind of think that there's not, you know, it's not out of the question that Shelton does force a, a fifth set. I personally have just not been impressed with the way that Djokovic has played. So we talk about, you know, him potentially ramping up here and getting, you know, this get, getting to the point in the tournament where he's going to play his best tennis. I don't really think he's been able to do that because of the core conditions. Like, I feel like he hasn't really been, you know, saving his energy for this point in the tournament. I think he looks, you know, a little bit tired. And I think maybe, you know, going deep in Cincinnati did that. But I do think he's somewhat vulnerable right now. I don't think that Shelton will get him. But I guess it wouldn't shock me if he pushes him, which is why I would go with, you know, the at least one set rather than four. Yeah, Pam, do you think the conditions might have played a factor in the level of Djokovic not being what we've been accustomed to seeing in these Grand Slams? (laughs) Potentially, but I'm also done questioning Djokovic's health because yeah. he likes to play possum. <laughs> he absolutely likes to play possum. Hey, I'm a little injured. Oh, I got a little boo-boo. And then he comes out and he just turns on another level. Oh, he's like, all right, level two. I need to do it level three. He has those multiple levels just like Carlos has. And he doesn't want to show them early on because he doesn't need them. If he can beat you on a level two, why would he utilize his level four? So I'm not, and I don't think, I'm not questioning his health conditions at all. I'm not wondering if he's going to be fit for this. I think he's perfectly fine. He's just saving his energy for the final because he knows he's going to get there. Kenny, just to uh, finish your earlier point, what did Shelton say at press that has you buzzing? Feeling a little tingly yes. even. Yeah, no, I, I am. Uh, look, I mean, he basically said, you know, I just beat Francis and I've got another good opponent next. That was one thing, right? Immediately, he, a lot of these guys, when they play Djokovic for the first time, or Federer and Nadal, they always like to talk about, oh, you know, they were my idol growing up. I watched them all the time. He, he said he's never watched Djokovic play a full match. He was not a guy who watched tennis growing up. He said he remembers watching some of the 2019 Wimbledon final. But the fact that he has never watched Djokovic play in his life, I think, gives him a very unique advantage over any of the other players that have played Djokovic in a match like this because he's not going to be afraid – of Djokovic, he's not going to know that Djokovic is going to win this match, right? He thinks he can win this match. He thinks he has the game, and it's hard to blame him, too, because he goes for such small margins, but the mm-hmm. thing is, he hits those low-percentage shots so well. Obviously, he missed a lot of them against Francis, but he also hit a lot of them in big spots. I just think this kid has, has guts unlike we've ever seen. I think he's coming into this match with the right attitude if you want to beat Novak Djokovic, and I do think that his belief is never going to waver. He was also talking about the fact that he was in such pain, but he was just mentally powering through it. And I think we talk about that a lot in sports, specifically cross country. Uh, We talk about the fact that people condition themselves to deal with pain. And that is such a thing that takes so long to achieve, but Ben Shelton's already been able to do it at 20 years old. I just think his mind is in the right place if he wants to win this match. And that's why I do think he's going to be competitive here. Now, Djokovic probably takes his legs, right? and wins this yeah. match and outlasts him. But I do think Djokovic is really going to take a barrage of, of, of uh, you know, ground strokes here and serves. And I think uh, Zach is right as well. I don't think Djokovic really has looked very good at this tournament. But I will say, guys, it's very hot here now that I'm finally here. 
It is very hot, but I think if the rain does come as it's supposed to in an hour. Oh, shame. Lost him. It's so hot his phone turned off. Yeah, head over here. Oh, he's back. Welcome back. It's hot. Well, no. I, I, no, I would say it's probably going to be indoors. This It's so hot that my, my uh, video went out, right? Um, well, I would say this match is probably going to be played indoors because it's supposed to rain yeah. in around an hour. Ignorance is bliss. We know that. And I think the first time could play a factor in Djokovic never even seeing this before. So we'll see. Uh, moving on here on tennis bets to the other semifinal, the evening match, Alcaraz versus Medvedev, two former champs, the last two champs locking up. Zico, this number, uh, a healthy respect for Alcaraz, minus 400. You're going to be hard-pressed to find Medvedev as a dog like this in any other match around the world. So thoughts on the initial line before we get to our bets? Yeah, I mean, I guess it's not, you know, it's a great thing that you want to hear, but I do think that I'd rather play Medvedev at plus 1,100 to win the tournament than the plus 310 to win this because I personally, like I just said, I'm not really high on the way Djokovic is playing. I do think that the winner of this match will end up winning the tournament, so I do think that I'd rather go Medvedev at plus 1,100 than plus 310. But, yeah, I mean, we could talk about it a little bit, but I do think that this match is going to be a little bit more competitive than what we've seen in the past between these two. I thought that the Indian Wells blowout for Alcaraz was a lot, you know, had a lot to do with Medvedev playing uncharacteristic tennis. I think he was trying to be a little more aggressive than we usually see from him rather than trying to, you know, outlast Alcaraz, which I do think he could do. I mean, I think that's the best way for for Medvedev to win this match. I do think going forward, he probably needs to start to be more aggressive with his tennis in general. But I do mm -hmm. think, you know, if especially if this isn't played uh, indoors, outlasting Alcaraz is going to be the only way for him to win. So, Pam, as somebody who has atoned for mistakes and doubting maybe Carlos in the last couple of days, we're looking at this in a similar position as uh, Zverev, where the line we're looking at is a little less. It's five and a half games. There's set bets. There's opportunities. But I get the sense that you're not going to fall for any of that. You like Alcaraz to roll here. I haven't doubted Alcaraz. <laughs> it's just I think that his opponents maybe could be competitive. And not with Medvedev, though. <laughs> Never with Medvedev. I think it's at worst in four sets. I wouldn't be surprised if it was in straight sets. Medvedev is a baseliner only player. There is nothing that he has in his arsenal that can compete and contend against all the weapons that Carlitos has. Yeah, sure, he has a serve. Sure, he has a forehand. But he hugs. He plays from the baseline. And what does Carlos have to do? We've seen it in the last back-to-back -back matches. A 6-3, 6-2 win in Indian Wells. Straight set win in Wimbledon, which granted it is grass. But still, that shouldn't have been his best surface. What does Carlitos do against Medvedev? Drop shot him. Drop shot him. Drop shot him. And drop shot him. And Medvedev hates that. He has no idea what to do when Carlitos drop shots him. So at worst, at, in four. Okay. I think it's. Uh, I just Kenny, think the point here that I want to make. Yeah, I, it's okay, Mitch. We can talk to each other. I would say the point here is that <laughs> I. I think, Med, you know this, Pam. We know this. It definitely means that Medvedev knows this, and he's played him twice. Obviously, Medvedev knows he's going to exploit the deep court position. He's going to hit the serve and volley. I've noticed Demonor in that match against Demonor. Demonor was hitting the serve and volley a lot. Medvedev. Uh, was able to find a way to win a lot of those points. I, I would say that uh, he knows the problems in his game, right? He knows – he doesn't want to be one-dimensional. He wants to win more than one Grand Slam. And I think that's what's been most impressive about him over the last four years is that he's continued to improve and continued to improve cerebrally. And I think I, – I, look, I'm willing to bet on the brain of Medvedev here, and I think that's the biggest thing. Like, w this is gambling at, at the end of the day. 
And I'm willing to gamble that Medvedev has devised a game plan to neutralize Carlos, at least for the first couple of sets. And then you would expect Carlos probably, because he has superior ability to Medvedev, game plan's a way to figure out how to win this match. But I would just say, I think early on in this match, Medvedev does have a different game plan. Um, but, I mean, the, the points are very fair. I mean, we, look, if, if it continues to go the way that their last two matches went, then I think that it's, it's going to be a no contest. I would just also say Wimbledon, despite the fact that Medvedev's game is good for grass, he's never been a good grass player. Indian Wells, obviously, he was, he, that was when he said freaking disgrace to freaking sport, this <laughs> yeah. freaking court. He hates playing on Indian Wells courts. They're very slow. This is going to be his best chance of beating Carlos. And I think that that is grounds enough to take him on the game spread. If he doesn't beat Carlos here, to your point, Pam, I don't think he ever will. This is how we, this is, has to be here. It has to be here. So since he's cut off anyway from the, from the weather, I do have one takeaway from watching Garitos against Zverev. That's what I'm obviously, obviously, Kenny and I were on Zverev, and it was very disappointing from him. However, what I've noticed from Garitos is his stunning ability. And those in the armed forces can understand the effects of a stun grenade. And Carlos has that okay. in his forehand. He can throw a wicked high-paced Delpo-like forehand that stuns his opponent during mm. a rally. And what happens? He puts it away with the strike on the very next shot. Even somebody like Medvedev, as good of a returner that he is, doesn't have an answer for that. And it's not only about being physically disruptive, but as an opponent, it is demoralizing. And Kenny and I were texting each other. That Zverev didn't look tired. He looked sad. That is a lasting, intimidating mm. effect. This is why Carlitos is able to win these matches in straight sets. Because you give him everything you've got. You're playing well. And he still hits you with that stunning forehand. You're done. Mm. And then as soon as Carlitos does that down-the-line backhand, it's over for you. You don't have a shot because that tells you that his confidence is 100% mm. there. And we saw it against Varev. Not tired. He was depressed. And he has that. And he's going to do that again against Medvedev. I do think that Kenny's point about this being, like, if it's not here, it's not anywhere. This has mm -hmm. got to be the place where Medvedev has his last stand. Uh, so this is some good feedback, some good intel. Play with it what you will. Kenny, also just want to point out uh, great insight as well. You're kind of getting roasted for wearing a black shirt by the comments right now in the sun. Yeah, what's so. going on with that? Why is that? Why is that? They said you complained about it being hot, but they're like, why is he wearing a black shirt? If he's I'm going to I'm going to be indoors in the air. I brought a sweatshirt. I'm going to be indoors in the air conditioning tonight for both matches. Where where are a black gonna sweatshirt. Be? They're going to be on their <laughs> couch. <laughs> I brought, I brought a yellow. I actually brought a yellow sweatshirt. sweatshirt. It's a, it's it's a, well, the new Nike one. I, I really wish I could wear it, but it's too hot. Um, no, I also I'm not complaining that it's hot. I, I've complained in days past that it's been hot, and I haven't worn black. I'm just it's a, it is a little hot today, but yeah. uh, it's going to rain, and then that's going to be cold. So that's okay. it's called being a meteorologist. Zach's the doctor. I'm the meteorologist. We all have established this. Okay. Well, Zico, last thing before we move on here, uh, your prop bet that we all, that I like, and I want to hear your thoughts. You wrote up about this as well. Uh, but over six and a half breaks to serve in this match at minus 135. Why do you like this pick? Yeah, because, I mean, like I said, I do like the match to go for maybe five sets, so I do think it'll go longer than we think. But even if it doesn't, there were eight breaks to serve when they played at Wimbledon. Uh, these are the top two guys in terms of break percentage and tennis abstracts uh, men's leaderboards. And they're the two, you know, arguably two of the best returners in the sport. And I don't think that either of them, you know, are that sturdy with the serve. So I can see there being a lot of breaks. I mean, in the third set of their Wimbledon match, there were a ton. So I can see it being somewhat similar here. 
Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Means to be seen. Uh, more to discuss here on Tennis Bets with Kenny Ducey, Pamela Maldonado, and Zachary Cohen. We have the women's final set in stone. It's going to be Sabalenka versus Coco Golf. The odds as of now on FanDuel look like this. Sabalenka, a slight favorite. It's been trending that direction that Coco Golf's picking up some steam. But Kenny, I want to I want to get to you right now because you brought up something in the chat, and then we can all chime in, chime in, Pamela, as well as far as gambling strategy goes. So I'm throwing it up there, the Ducey dilemma, to hedge or not to hedge. Walk us through how the Coco Golf pre-tournament pick has brought you to this point, but you're still maybe still undecided on what to do? Yeah, I am. I'm very undecided. I'm, I was staring at the – I missed the bus last night because I was just staring at the line trying to figure out what I'm supposed to do here. Am I supposed to hedge off of Sabalenka at minus 120? I have Coco Golf from before the tournament at plus 700. Now, it wasn't the bad, it wasn't a Zico number, all right? It wasn't a what, – what are we going to call that? A Zico confident – I don't know. I, I'm, I, I'm not good at uh, – anyway, the bottom line here is it wasn't the best number, but I do have it at plus 700. Now, the Sabalenka line is really scaring me because we were – well, first of all, Zach and I were very excited to hedge off of uh, the Coco ticket at, like, you know, keys plus 200. But now it's a dilemma. It, it, I, I'm, I'm not sure if I can trust Sabalenka in a final, even though she just won one in Australia. Um, there was, it was a very nervous final. So I just, I don't know what we're going to see. Like, I, I don't, I, I'm worried. So I, I need help. And I'm wondering what people out there would do if you were holding that ticket. And w- would you, would you just lock in the two unit profit either way or three unit profit? Or would you just like, I don't know, maybe, maybe make a two unit profit, you know, regardless of what happens. <laughs> I'm walking her. Yeah. I'm having, I'm having, you know what? I'm enjoying my life right now. So, cup, <laughs> cupcake kid, you just go have another cupcake, okay? Uh, that was a great comment. Had to get that on there. Um, Pam, how would you attack this, too? You have a future. It's looking pretty good. Um, but we got a, a, a Titanic battle, maybe with some players you might not fully trust to hedge, or do you just ride it out? So it has nothing to do with the players involved, and this is purely just a gambling response. If you want guaranteed money, then you hedge. And it's also based on the dollar amount that you did. If it's life-changing money, absolutely hedge. If it's doing like a couple of hundred bucks, guys, just write it out because you're going for max value. Yeah, it is a free play too. I want to point that out, Kenny. It was a free play. Yeah, you used it and you smartly used it. So, um, no, I think this is going to be an interesting match. And and honestly, Zico, that match last night with Keys, I know there might be some still wounds to be uh, healed up there, but... That might have been, and I and I hate hyperbole like this, but it kind of changed career trajectories or could have in a lot of ways because Sabalenka normally loses that match. Yeah, and you should have asked me the question, by the way, because I did hedge like 30 minutes before I got on the show. So I had it at plus 1,400. I put a good chunk on Sabalenka to guarantee either 400 or 300. Uh, I think that a lot of it goes back to what you just said. I think Sabalenka won a match and she normally doesn't. I thought, you know, for a player that completely lost her forehand uh, at some point in that second and third set, she found it in that tiebreaker. I mean, she was crushing that shot throughout the tiebreaker. I thought she looked great. And Coco also lost her forehand in her win over Muhova. So 
you know, if it's going to be a match between who has the better backhand, who has more power, I think I trust Sabalenka. I also think that there's not as much pressure on Sabalenka because, you know, the home crowd is waiting on this golf moment. That's a that's a big thing. I think the pressure is going to be in her and Sabalenka having won a title before. Uh, that key Sabalenka, the stats. I mean, you can't win any less games than your opponent and still win than she did, winning in two tie breaks, getting bageled in the first set. So that's going to be a good one. Kenny, how do you see the final uh, shaking out, I guess, from taking your future out of it, how you might bet this one from an objective standpoint, what the thought process is, golf leading in the head-to-head, but not this year. Thoughts on the women's final? Oh, and we lost them. <laughs> Oh, sorry. I muted my mic because I was going through security. Uh, I first want to say Ben Ben Shelton is practicing behind me and he's wearing green. This could change my entire handicap on the match if he wears green. Uh, What I will say is, yes, I think Sabalenka is playing some of the best tennis of her career. I think that's without a doubt. But I think the bigger thing is she said in press last night that she knows now what to expect when uh, when she takes part in a Grand Slam final. And she didn't know earlier in her career, especially when you know she went to the Australian Open for the final for the first time. It was a nervous final, right? She didn't obviously know. She went through a lot of emotions. She basically said, I know all the emotions that I'm going to feel now, and that should help me get through and get to the finish line. And so I, I, I'm with Zico that I'm just so fearful. It's not that I'm trying to hedge off of Coco because I'm looking for value. It's more that I'm fearful that Sablink is going to win this match because they really do believe that she's going to win this match. Now, the one thing to consider is that the money is actually coming on Coco here, which mm-hmm. is kind of weird to me. Um, the, the line isn't moving that much, but the, the, the line definitely is moving towards Coco. So I'm not sure if that's people hedging off Sablink tickets or the Americans or people just betting on an American at the U.S. Open. I'm not sure what your guys' take on that is, but I do feel like, all things equal, Sabalenka is going to win this match. And I think Coco's had some trouble dealing with powerful hitters. I know yeah. she's 3-2 and two against Sabalenka, but that's been her weakness. Yeah, that match this year was a bagel in the second set at Indian Wells. I know core conditions and how they play and their form means a lot more than sometimes head-to-head. But, yeah, Sabalenka's playing with some stuff here, and the pressure will be on the American that's getting the bump there. So, a lot to discuss there. We're going to wrap this one up with some final thoughts. Um, Pam, I mean, Kenny brought it up earlier, but assuming we get what we want, how do you see this Djokovic Alcaraz final being priced? Are we doing another show to do the final, or is this our last one? We might reconvene after, but this will be the last pre-final show. Okay, last pre-final then. Well then, how the how is it going to be priced? Djokovic, based off of the futures odds, I guess would be the favorite, but... Anything that Carlos is, Carritos, I hate saying Carlos, anything Carritos is priced, if he's an underdog, if he's like a plus even money, even if he's a favorite, you want to go ahead and back him. I'm very interested in that matchup. Um, I'm. We know that Djokovic is the best counterpuncher on tour. I'm interested to see how he's going to use that ability and adjust his play against Carritos because they've already played before. And I'm a golfer. And it's like in golf, you're watching somebody out drive you with a three-wood against a driver. Very demoralizing. I think he can even do that type of ability against Djokovic in the final. We saw it at Wimbledon on his best surface. So I'm very excited to see that final because I want to see a full five sets come to fruition. However, I think just Carritos is way too good. It doesn't matter the price. I want to back him. You can always call you can always call him Charlie too. That's what his friends on tour call him. So maybe better than Carlos. He calls himself Charlie. He does call himself Charlie. Zico. Anything that happens today that could, you know, swing this in any direction or, or nudge it in a simple direction? Or do you think if they play, it might be just the general price that we're predicting here? 
I guess I just don't really trust the futures market in terms of what the price will be in the match. I think that we saw one at Wimbledon where, you know, it kind of looked like it was going to go a certain way. And then Alcaraz was like a plus 170 underdog or something like that. So I can see them hanging whatever number they want to hang on it. It's, I, I don't think the futures market is going to be indicative of what we're going to see in that match. But I do think that Alcaraz gets the job done, too. I think that in Cincinnati, those really fast courts were allowing Djokovic to rip that forehand and give Alcaraz some trouble. I don't think we're going to see that here. It has not looked like that at all so far. And I also think Alcaraz has learned a really valuable lesson in that match, and that's that you can just never lose focus against Djokovic. I think that that loss will end up doing him a lot of good in this rivalry moving forward. I think you're going to get a locked-in version of Carlos nonstop every time he faces him. Kenny, after your long walk, how do you see this one going? Yeah, I totally agree with Zico there, I think, and Pam, too. I mean, I think that you have to take Alcaraz in this spot. I think he's going to blast Djokovic off the court. I don't think Djokovic has looked very good at this tournament, as we've talked about. And Zach mentioned the court speeds. You know, it, it's the players like to say, you know, it's a little too fast at Cincinnati. It's a little too slow at Rogers Cup, and it's just right here at the U.S. Open. And I think the court speeds are just right for Carlos Alcaraz. I think they're just a little bit slower than Cincinnati. So it's going to make it just a little more of a grind fest here between the two. And I would, again, continue to harp on the point that Zach just harped on, which is that, you know, really Carlos lost focus in that Cincinnati final. That was the reason he lost. Djokovic made him frustrated in that third set. You look at the game that he got broken. He just went for huge forehands that he never should have gone for. Uh, he, got, he was starting to get frustrated that he couldn't put this guy away. And that's how Djokovic beats everybody. He makes you just try to hit the ball through him as hard as you can because you get frustrated. So I think that Carlos learned a good lesson on that on that day. I think he wins this U.S. Open final again pretty easily. And I would just – I know the conditions were bad, but, like, really, Djokovic looked super beatable against Taylor Fritz. We were all in agreement and in lockstep on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and now, you know, I, I think today he's going to look beatable again today. I think Ben Shelton's going to have him on his back foot early in this match. He's just not going to know what, what, what's hit him. Um, and I think he's going to win. But once he plays Carlos, I think Djokovic is going to be a minus 130, minus 140 favorite after Cincinnati. And I think it take Carlos at plus money. I think that's the best move. Yeah, I can't argue with that strategy. Although every time people count, I don't want to say count him out, but put Djokovic kind of down a peg. He seems to just raise the level. I can't explain it either. There's one last betting option, and it's yeah. both players, Carritos and Djokovic, minus one and a half sets in a parlay at minus 130. I would take that. Okay. Tonight, you said? Yeah. All right. You know what? I I don't. I'm not. This is not has nothing to do with you. But Zach and I were talking about the fact that we think that minus one and a half sets may be the biggest sucker bet ever. Because every time we take it, it always loses. And it, even it if loses it, the even first if it wins, it even if it wins, like the Medvedev. I took it in the Medvedev Demon Or match, and Medvedev went down the, the first set, and then he had to win the next three. And then even I took him against Med, Rublev, Medvedev minus one and a half sets, and he goes down a break. And I just think. It feels like the biggest sucker bet ever, but if I mean they're winning in four. Neither yeah. match is going in five. That's what I'm saying. Neither match is yeah. going in five. They're both going to be I coming think, into the final. Yeah. I think the Shelton match. Be a great final. I think the Shelton match has a much better chance of going five than the than the Medvedev I think match. Maybe a tie break, but I don't see mm-hmm. it going five. Pam, I think what they're saying is it's kind of like in college football when you bet it under, it's just anxiety. Like you're not as comfortable. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's no, not a sucker bet, it's just hard to watch. <laughs> yeah. But I do play. think it's a sucker bet because I, I really don't feel like – usually when you bet a, a, a match like that, I feel like it's, uh, it's a 3-0 victory. You, you're better off just betting 3-0 anyway if you're really that supremely confident in them. And I also think the game spread is something we always look past in, in Grand Slams because it's such a big number. But I do feel like a lot of times, especially if you take a minus one and a half set bet, 
you have a player like if you really think they're that much better and they're, if they're just going to be a runaway train at, in that fourth set that they win, sometimes you can take this, the game spread and cash that also. I don't know. It's just betting Grand Slams is much different than betting during the regular season. It's, it's, right. a, it's a much more unique set of, of uh, options that you have. But well, that's I, I, I like still... my one bet of the over between Shelton and Djokovic. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Well, I'll just say all these years in, I'm still trying to figure out what the hell to do with minus one and a half sets because it doesn't feel like it's a smart bet every time I do it. So, and, and to Mitch's point, it's anxiety filling. Well, this was a fun run. I, I really do appreciate you guys taking time here and making some bets. A lot of them are good. We don't need to focus on the ones that weren't, but uh, it was a great, great two weeks covering this. We'll see what the finals have. Any any parting thoughts from anyone around the group? How many how many uh, slam titles is Carlitos going to end up with? I think he'll break the record. He's going to surpass Djokovic. I think he's... I think he's going to break the record too. He's going to break the record and he's going to do it in record time and it's going to be impressive. And we will, I don't know when we'll see this again. uh, How many slam titles? The better better question is how many slam titles is Ben Shelton going to win? And when's his first? What about ja- what about Jamie Alcaraz? I was told he's my Jamie best. Alcaraz. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't joking. I was being serious. I, I think I think he's going to win the U.S. Open within the next three years. I actually Ben Shelton. You know what? I think I, Shelton. I, well, I tweeted that Channel Shelton would win Wimbledon yeah. as his first mm-hmm. Grand Slam. Yeah, I, I, think, I think that we're going to see either Yannick or Shelton win the Australian Open in like 2025. That'll be the first one to like sneak up on somebody because I just don't think that anyone's going to like t- like you're not. There's no form. You know, no one's watching. There's no pressure. <laughs> I think it's yeah. the easiest one to kind of win and, and get yourself in there. Yeah. I would also, I mean, Jack Draper is a guy you got to throw in there also. Oh, he boy. said he said after this tournament, <laughs> his goal is to qualify for the main draw of the Australian Open. So he's going to play a little more this year so he can get into the main draw. So obviously, he's a guy that's looking at the Australian Open as a place to make a move as well. Okay, Draper's well, played not- his whole career like he's in a black shirt. That's true. Like he's been in a forty-minute walk. That's a good. That's another good with a black t-shirt. Yeah, told not to warm up by walking in a black t-shirt in the sun this morning. I'm comfortable. I'm having a great day. I don't know what you got. I don't know what cupcake. Having a great day. He said you're still in the sun too. He's like, I'm actually not in the sun now. I'm in my normal position. Well, I think that's some good advice for everybody out there. If we see Alcaraz Djokovic, another installment, the fifth one, uh, it could be another classic at the U.S. Open for the first time. It'd be three straight matches in majors. Great women's final coming up between Coco Golf and Sabalenka. And we've got some great semifinal action today. So thanks, everybody out there, for watching and for listening. Thanks to our panel of experts. And I don't use that term loosely. Our experts of Pamela Maldonado, Zachary Cohen, and Kenny Ducey. We're on the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. We're on Tennis Bets, Twitter, Tennis Channel, YouTube, and Tennis.com Facebook. From the entire Tennis Bets crew panel, my name is Mitch Michaels. Thank you for joining the show. We'll see you later on. More Tennis Bets to discuss throughout the year. Thanks for watching, and good luck finishing up the U.S. Open. (laughs) 